0: Very glad each one of you are here. Uh, let's bow for a moment. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity again to to meet together. Lord, we we just want to uh, worship you and learn more about you in Jesus name. Amen. Lead on, O King eternal. Dawn, o king eternal, the day of march has come. Henceforth in fields of conquest, thy tent shall be our home. Through days of preparation, thy grace has made us strong. And now, O King Eternal, we lift our battle song. Lead on, O King Eternal, till sin's fierce war shall cease, and holiness shall whisper the sweet Amen of peace. For not with swords loud clashing or roll of stirring drums, with deeds of love and mercy the heavenly kingdom comes. Lead on, O King eternal, we follow not with fears, For gladness breaks like morning Where'er thy face appears Thy cross is lifted o'er us We journey in its light The crown awaits the conquest Lead on, O God of might Pastor?
1: Yeah, you don't sound like you're good. Okay. I was gonna jump right into this study, but I understand that there might be some questions from what we were doing. So let's see what kind of questions we have in regard to the spiritual gifts profile or personality profiles. And if you didn't get one of those, we'll get you one before you leave tonight. So you can do those. What kind of questions do we have? I know you have one.
0: I've got one here um, on the uh, handout that we got a week ago. That um, the question was, what is your highest plotting point on graphs one and two, and highest spiritual gift plotting point? And mine's a little bit complicated, so.
1: Okay. So well, ask the question.
0: So. Uh,
1: Can you turn me down just a little bit?
0: Now, would you like to see the graphs? (laughs) Sure, sure. So that's, that's
1: this one and that's this one. Okay. So prophecy, proclamation, teaching, encouraging. I agree with all that. And S and C and I and S. Okay, so what's your question? Okay, so
0: um, how do you figure out from this and this, the plotting point?
1: Anything above the midline on these two graphs, Okay. if you're looking at page four in this book, anything above that midline is your high points. But you're looking for the two highest points or the one single highest point. If nothing is above that midpoint, then, then you're, you're, you're just going to pick. No, you're just going to have to pick the highest one. If there's only one above the midpoint, just pick that one. But if there's none above the midpoint, pick the highest one, even though it's below the line. Okay. So
0: would mine be considered three three above the midpoint? No, you're no, looking for, just, you're looking for these two the,
1: oh, because you're picking it up over here too. Oh. So what you're looking for, you're predominantly at CNS. So you're looking on your one part of your graph for that combination graph. Put that one down. So you're looking for C, and it tells you C and S.
0: Oh, OK. All right, so this is OK.
1: OK, so now if you want to look at C, I, and S. And that's what I did look at. So you're, you have to look at both of those. Okay to see where you're at.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Okay. So that's that's what you're looking for. Okay. And what it is it's a guide. It's not an absolute concrete assessment if you want to call it that. But it's a profile that should be extremely close to how you respond either when people are around or when people are not around. Cuz the one graph It's what you think people expect you to act like and be like when you're around other people. And the other graph is who you are when nobody's looking. That's basically what that is. And your highest plotting points on your spiritual gift profile are the things that that turn your crank. They're the things that you're most excited about. They're the things that really energize you and you want to get involved with but maybe you've never had the opportunity to get involved with, or maybe you've never uh, been a little concerned. Maybe one of yours is evangelism because you would like to talk to people, but you don't, don't have the methodology or what you consider the proper tools to do the job. We can help you with that. That's why we wanted you guys to take these. What we're starting to look at tonight is we started looking at the stuff individually for where you guys were at as far as your personality, as far as your character, your temperament, we talked about that, and your spiritual gifts. And we just used a nine basic one. There's one that has like 113 spiritual gifts in it, and it's like, it's ridiculous. It's too much. I chose the most basic one out there I could find, which was nine. And the next one, I think, is 16, and, and it just talks about different ministry opportunities. And that's what you need to think of those spiritual gifts as, ministry opportunities to put yourself into. Yeah, Chris. Uh, now that we've done that, and those people here know what that is, how do you know what ministry to plug into? Well, that's what we're going to talk about starting tonight. Um, a lot of the materials we're looking at that I'm starting to use tonight are almost 20-plus years old. All right? It's some of the stuff that Pastor and I taught initially years ago. Some of it's from Faith. Some of it's from Daytona Beach uh, and, and uh, Bobby, I can't think of his last name, but he, his church and some of it's from Saddleback, so don't freak out. Uh, Saddleback is, I don't know how many of you know much about Saddleback, but Warren is retiring and another pastor is coming in. And there's all kinds of controversy on all kinds of stuff behind Saddleback, but this is stuff from 20-plus years ago. So it's, it's church conference stuff that I've gathered, and I've sort of meshed some of it together for some of the things we're going to be looking at over the next 16 to 24 weeks on Wednesday night. So it's, it's a compilation of a lot of different things. But I think if we do that and we put together your personality profiles your spiritual gift profiles just your basics it'll give you ideas of what we're supposed to be doing individually and as a church corporately that's that's my vision that's my goal okay and if you have questions or qualms about it along the way I don't mind you saying so we just need to know all right Okay, for your relationship one, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, you're, you're supposed to put them side by side and then look at the variations. And then look at, look at what hers is and she's supposed to look at what yours is so you guys have a better understanding of how to communicate with each other without getting upset or angry with each other.
0: <laughs> Good luck with that. We, yeah, say, we may not
1: Husbands make, and wives, are you listening? Yeah. We might not make 60 years. <laughs> 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 Be kind, you know. The whole the whole thing I tell men all the time, occasionally I'll have a man come to me and he's very distraught about what's going on with his wife. And I say you have to remember they're the tender gender. Be gentle. Tender gender, be gentle. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys can stand nose to nose and then yell at each other and you know, push on each other's chest and walk away. Well now now the younger generation shoots each other, but yeah. <coughs> we're from old school. You know, we duke it out and an hour later we shake hands and be fine, not anymore. But at any rate, that's, that's what that relationship part is, is so that you can understand her temperament and she can understand your temperament. Now, I didn't say temper, Jack. Okay. All right. Any other questions? And we're going to be circling back and forth on this. So, I mean, if you want to bring those, that's fine. Um, Tonight's stuff uh, we, we left uh, in a full page sheet profile. And if you want, um, you can get a little notebook, like half some of my stuff in from time to time, and you can just put this in a notebook if you want, or put it in a folder and bring it back so you can refer back and forth to it if you need to or want to, or just hang on to it at home, because each week I'll have a new set. Oh, they were back there. Do we need some more? Well, we will have Miss Beth check, and we if we need to get some extra copies, we can get some extra copies. There's a couple of them. It's front and back on one, and then just a single one. Okay. All right. So my question to you guys, as we start this, um, let let's pray again before we do that. All right. Father, we just commit this time to you. And I know this is going to be an interesting concept for all of us as we study this again. Like I said, it's been over 20 years since I taught this. Um, Help us know what we're doing. Help us understand what is being said and taught by your word. Not so much by me, but by your word. Help us know how to put it into practice. And help us be very um, diligent and forthcoming in trying to become the church that... You would like us to be, not so much that we want us to be, but that you want us to be. Help us individually be the Christians that you want us to be, and help us love one another the way we should, and take care of one another the way we should. And Father, we just commit these things to you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I have to ask you as a question before I jump into this what are we doing here as a church? Growing? Okay. Ministering, growing. All right. What else? Trying to reach our community for Christ. Trying to reach the community for Christ. Supporting each other with fellowship. Supporting each other with fellowship. Okay. We're going to, over the course of the time frame that we're looking at all this stuff, we're going to learn about the five functions of the church the five basic functions of the church. And we're going to be breaking those down individually for a couple of weeks, each one of those functions once we get there. But we have some things we have to consider beforehand. Um, So that's the reason I I entitled this one, The Why, What, and How of the Body of Christ. You know, why are we here? We're here for the Great Commission, right? Right? That's our primary purpose. It's not meant to be a social club. But fellowship is a part of the process. So as we say these things, you guys are going to get some things going on in your mind where you're thinking, well, that's a mixed message. But it's important we understand the primary purpose that God has brought the church into being. Yes. We serve our community. Yes, we serve one another. Yes, we help take care of the homeless. Yes, we feed those that are less fortunate. Yes, we do all these other peripheral things. But the primary purpose needs to stay the primary purpose. And it needs to stay the goal and the function of the church. Okay? Part of those functions we're going to talk about as we go through those. So let me, tonight we're going to look at the why and the what if we have enough time. If, if we don't we won't worry about it we'll do we'll look at the how next week you don't even have the notes for the how tonight really so that very first one is uh, some of the goals that i'm hoping to do over this next 16 to 24 weeks is to encourage our spirits number one is to encourage our spirits we need our spirits encouraged sometimes we can get down sometimes we get frustrated sometimes we get angry um, we live in this crazy world that there's so many things going on that we don't often know how to respond or if we was respond right or when to respond. So I want to hopefully encourage your spirits. Look at what 1 Thessalonians 5.11a says. Would somebody read that for us off that sheet? Encourage each other and build each other, each other, and build each other up. How do we do that? Give you a hug. Verbally. <laughs> <coughs> Say it again. Verbally. Verbally. Okay. Got a fly that likes me.
0: Just in, in
1: greeting each other on Sunday mornings. Greeting each other. Especially with someone is new. Okay. Greeting those that are new. All right. All those things. Galatians 6, 9 from the Living Bible says, Let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. That if we don't get discouraged is important. It's imperative that we don't get discouraged. How many of you have been discouraged this week? Yeah, half of you already. It's, just, it's, just, it's, it's where we live. And I'm gonna talk about this a little bit Sunday. We have to remember the world that we live in It's not just the world we live in. It's the people we deal with. So you got to keep that in mind. But we need to remember, God loves us, and we matter to God. And you were brought here to accomplish something in this life. The old analogy, God doesn't make any junk, right? We need to believe that. We need to act like that and act upon that. So the second thing is, hopefully, one of my goals is that we'll stretch our minds. We will stretch our minds as we dig into this study and we dig into these verses. Proverbs 19:8 from today's English Version Bible says, Do yourself a favor and learn all you can. Then remember what you learn, and you will prosper. Now I hear some people tell me it's really hard to remember. I know it is, but we need to learn all we can and then remember, okay? God will recall to your memory the things that you learn. If you're diligent, and you take the time to put it in to your computer up here, all right? Romans 2.21 from Contemporary English Version says, how can you teach others when you refuse to learn? Listen part of our ministry, my belief is part of our ministry as Christians, when you are talking to somebody, and you're witnessing to them, and you're giving them your personal testimony, you're teaching them. You're helping them learn what it is to be a Christian, what a Christian looks like. You're that walking, talking, living, breathing example. So as they listen to you, they're learning something about you and they're learning something about Christ. So you you have to plug that in too. And Proverbs 18, 15 from the Living Bible says, the intelligent man is always open to new ideas. In fact, he looks for them. You know, that just tells me that that we're sitting in a group of intelligent people tonight because you're willing to learn. You're here, you want to know you want to try to figure things out. The whole process that I'm hoping to do is is to stimulate your creativity. Is to get you guys thinking of other ministries we can put into play, how to reach the community better, and we're going to talk about that in greater detail in just a second. We need to remember, verse 18 says and or 15 and Uh, Proverbs 18 says, the intelligent man is always open to new ideas. In fact, he looks for them. You have to keep a teachable mindset. And you have to be in a learning mindset. As we do this and as we go through this, you guys are going to be Put in situations because God's going to bring people and put them in your path that you're going to have the opportunity to do some things with that you may not have had the opportunity to do before. As you learn some of this stuff, he's going to want you to pass along to somebody else. We saw it happen the first time we went through the, a lot of this material. We're going to see it again. I'm positive. <laughs> we want you to think of this time that we spend together on Wednesday nights as a learning process for you but also not how it affects just you individually, but how it affects the church as a whole. Because it's going to affect the church as a whole. Okay? And, it, and depending on your attitude and how you put it into practice, it can either impact and affect the church positively or negatively. You guys are the ones that are going to make that decision. Okay? So number three. Another part of the goal I, I'm hoping for is to sharpen our skills, to sharpen our skills. Ecclesiastes 10, 10 in the NIV says, if the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Skill will bring success. <laughs> Listen, if you're chopping with a dull axe, it's going to take a whole lot more energy, right? I don't know how many of you ever chopped with a dull axe. I did one time and then I figured out the axe was really dull, went and sharpened it, man, it was so much easier. But it took me a little while. I wasn't quite as quick on my feet as I should have been. We have to think about things. We want to do things with intention before we do things. We don't want to just jump off and do something without having the intention of why we're doing it. Let me give you an example. If you're an armor, A farmer, armor, (laughs) if you're a farmer, you're not going to harvest apples with a wheat combine. What would you have? Applesauce, (laughs) right? You want to use the right tool for the right thing. So as we go through this, you're going to have to identify some of the tools that you can use and a tool that Larry can use and his witnessing may not be the same tool that Jack can use in his witnessing. So you have to sort of figure out the tools that are most appropriate for you to use when you're witnessing and you're giving your personal testimony. Because we're going to be putting some of that into practice too. See, you guys, you guys are the arms and legs of the church. You guys are the ones that have to get out there each and every day in the highways and byways of life. I do too, but I'm not out there as much as you guys are. And one person can only do so much, but an army of 35 or 40 people, it's multiplied, right? You got to think about that. That's what Jesus did, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, I always, I always, Jesus had the inner circle. Jesus had the 12, and then he had 11, right? (laughs) But he had the inner circle of three. I always say, Jesus had three, why can't we? So if you've got three individuals that you can work with and draw closer to and witness to and work on each year, one of those three, you'll probably come to know Christ. Think about that. All right. Number four, it's overall, it's to strengthen our church. It's to strengthen our church. Ephesians 4.16 says, under Christ's direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Healthy and growing and full of love. Listen, I don't know of any church that started out as a big church. Every big church started out as a little church. And every church has the opportunity to be a big church. But I am not as concerned about being a big church or having a big church as I am about having a healthy church. I would much rather see a smaller congregation that's healthy and growing spiritually with each other and for themselves and slowly adding to their body rather than one that's bringing in 50 to 100 people every weekend And it's mushrooming like nobody's business but there's not a lot of internal spiritual growth because it's very very important we understand that health is vital and we're going to talk about that in just a second it's not so much for me about church growth as it is about church health and individual spiritual growth and i will just lay that right on the line right now i love to see people come i love to see new people come in I love to see people baptized. That's what the primary purpose is. But once we are here, we need to make sure we're also growing and we maintain our health, our spiritual health. Number five, it's also my goal once again is, is to focus our vision, to focus our vision. I haven't, I told you guys a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I haven't said a lot about the visions I have for the church. Because pastor search team is put together. They're, they're just about ready to go. They're about ready to be announced. Those things are coming about. But I'm, I'm sort of keeping a lid on most of my visions for the church until all that comes about. and We find out who's going to be the lead pastor. So in the interim, I'm going to just feed little bits and pieces of the vision I have. And we've got a lot accomplished in the last year and a half. And hopefully we'll get some more accomplished before the finalization is done as who's going to be prominent permanent pastor. But we're only doing in bite-sized pieces, okay? So, Habakkuk 2.3 from the Living Bible. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. And of course, we know God's talking to the people, but it's the same process within the church. It's the same process within the body of Christ. I believe when a church has a clear vision and the congregation as a whole understands what that vision is, then everybody can get on board. And that makes it so much better and so much easier to understand. And that's why I say right now, my vision is two things. And I will tell you this. It's to stay united as the body of Christ. And it's to stay moving forward and getting out and doing as much as we can to bring others in. But staying healthy in the process. Staying spiritually healthy in the process. God is working on completing his vision for every single church body that is preaching and teaching the cause of christ but every single church body is not going to fulfill the same overarching things in their community because every community has different needs and every community has different individuals in it so what we may have to do is we may have to do some community service surveys and find out okay how can we serve our community and draw more people in before we can help them understand who Christ really is and what we're really all about. But in order to do that, we have to cast that vision first. You with me? You guys are awful quiet. Any questions yet? Am I scaring you? Disappointing you? Okay. The bottom line goal is to establish a foundation for growth. For growth. That's what the Great Commission is all about. But as we do that, we have to maintain that healthy balance. So most often I think we as individuals and and churches ask the wrong question. I think the question most people ask is what's keeping us from growing individually and what's keeping our church from growing? I think that's the wrong question. I think it should be what is keeping me from growing? Personally. If we ask ourselves what's keeping us from growing, then that's going to help us understand what's keeping the church from growing. All living things will grow naturally if they have the right water, air, and nutrients. If they don't have the right water, air, and nutrients, they won't grow right. So what does that mean? Um, have you guys looked at the weeds around the property recently? They grow quite naturally, right? They don't need a lot of anything. They grow really good in the sunlight, they get a little moisture, and they grow really well. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that with the people in the church? So what are we missing? Are we missing a nutrient? Are we missing the air? Are we missing what are we missing? So we have to ask ourselves, what's keeping me and our church from growing? Growth comes from health. I said that a moment ago. The the body of Christ is a living, breathing organism. It functions not only as an organization, but it functions as an organism. Now, I don't like the word institute when we talk about churches. Because that gives me a bad mindset. It's much more of a living breathing organism because it's made up of living breathing people. We're the body of Christ. The building's not the body of Christ. And I know most of you if not all of you understand that. So what are the barriers that are keeping us from growing? What are the barriers that are keeping the church from going? Can you guys think of some? either for yourself or for the church or maybe for both? This is your opportunity to talk. Motivation, Motivation. okay. Confidence. We Say it again. Confidence. confidence, okay. Motivation, confidence. Anything else? Possibly a wrong attitude. Wrong attitudes, all right. Okay, not willing to think outside the box or do something different. How do you correct those things? What would be a what would be a possible way to take care of some of those things? Pray. On it. pray? Dig into the word. Dig into the word? Getting, someone to pray you. Getting a prayer partner. Those are all all, all reasonable answers. All good answers. Listen. I think the issue for our church in this century is the same issue for the church in the very first century. We struggle to stay focused. We struggle to stay moving forward. We struggle to stay united. Why? Because everybody has their own ideas. That's why it's important to have a single vision. That's why I have been telling you guys from the get-go, my primary vision was to keep everybody united, to keep us together, to keep us moving forward in all that we do, regardless of what it is. That's my two primary visions. So I want you to understand that. My third one is to draw people in from the community. Another one is to keep spiritual health within the body. So like I said, bite-sized pieces, I'm going to give you guys some of this. What does health come from? What does your health come from? What you eat? How you take care of yourself? yourself. Okay, think about this. Health comes from balance. Your body, depending on which, and I looked it up again today, because like I said, it's been a while since I taught this. Your body is comprised of nine to thirteen systems. If you look at the new stuff, it says there's 13 systems. If you look at the old stuff, it says there's nine systems. Like I said, some of this is 20 years old. So, but it's made up of systems a circulatory system, the respiratory system, central nervous system, skeletal system, digestive system, all those systems. All right. If the church is a living, breathing organism then it is also made up of systems. But if we don't have the right systems functioning, it's not going to be healthy. What happens in your body if all of a sudden your digestive system says, nope, not tolerating that? It comes out one way or another, right? (laughs) And it makes you feel very, very poor. It's the same way in the body of Christ. It's the exact same way because when we get our systems balanced and if you go to the doctor and you're sick, you know, and you have something really bad, they call it a a disease. But if you break it down, it's D-I-S-E-A-S-E, dis-ease, because you're not at ease at all when you're sick. So that's exactly The problem with those systems, when those systems break down, then what happens is you feel poorly. But when they break down in the body of Christ in the church, the church doesn't function as it should. So that doesn't just affect one person, that affects the whole body. Just like in your body, it affects your whole body. And that's why it's important to keep everybody united and together and moving in the same direction. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to understand that sometimes, I know, but the more we keep ourselves in balance, the more we keep our health in balance, the more we keep the church's health in balance, the healthier we're gonna be. All right, so there's no single event that's gonna make a church grow. There's no single thing that's gonna do that. So let's think about this for a second as we look at these. We need worship, you guys said earlier, we need fellowship, we need discipleship, we need small groups, um, we need teaching, all those things. But have you ever thought about what drives the church? The church family. Sometimes they do. What else? Let me give you some quick fill-ins. Every church is driven or directed by some force. The very first one is tradition, and this is one of the ones I don't like. How do you know if a church is tradition-driven? The statement comes along and it says, we've always done it this way. Or the flip side of that coin is, we've never done it that way. That's tradition-driven church. Okay? Another driving force is by personalities. Now, I have to be gentle here. If you have a long-term pastor that leaves or passes away, sometimes because of that long-term pastor being there, they were following, people are following a personality and not God, okay? That's a dangerous place to be. If it's not a pastor, it can be a lead teacher or a lead deacon that is that driving personality that's pushing the church forward. And if that person leaves or dies unexpectedly, then... That causes problems. That causes morale failures and sometimes moral failures within the body. So we have to watch that, too. Another one that drives a church is finances. Finances. You know how how you're in the midst of a financially driven church is if you hear anybody say, well, how much is that going to cost? If that comes out, that's a financial-driven church. The flip side of that coin is, though, by a church that's driven by buildings. Now, I'm not talking about a building program. I'm talking about buildings. It can be tied to a building program. What do I mean by that? Building-driven churches have built something that is beyond their capacity to pay for with the tithes and offerings that are currently coming in. They will extend their budget out or they will stretch their mortgage out to the place that they can't comfortably and affordably pay that. That's a financial driven church because now it's all about the money. It goes back to being a financially driven church. Okay. Another thing that drives churches is programs. Programs. Some churches are driven by Sunday school. Some churches are driven by music. Some churches are driven by women's ministry. Some churches are driven by preschool programs. But here's the problem. A program-driven church is just like an event-driven church. And we're going to talk about that's the next one, an event-driven church. It wears people out. They become tired. The event-driven church looks like this. Every day, except maybe Sunday, because there's more stuff on Sunday, has something on the calendar. There's some special event happening here. They will do a youth camp, and the minute they come out of youth camp, they'll do a Bible conference. And the minute they come out of Bible conference, they do a preschool VBS. And the minute they come out of VBS, they'll do something else. You're going to wear your people out. (laughs) You know? People have lives to do other things, too. You can't always expect that. So you have to be careful. Program-driven and event-driven, we're just, where's, where's your people out? Where's your workers out? And then the last one, and it's, it's, it hasn't been this way in quite a while, but it's, it can be. Be driven by the unchurched. The unchurched. Those that come in from outside with their hidden agendas and they're, they're, they come in and they, they're like the sheep in wolf's clothing or the wolf in sheep's clothing. rather. Got that one backwards. The wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, they'll come in. They'll be nice and good and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden they'll cause some uproar. So you have to be careful of that too. So, those are some of the things that, that can drive a church or um, force a church to act differently than it should. So, you have to be very careful of those. Okay? I've got about 20 minutes. All right. So, what's the alternative? What do you think? Spirit driven? Okay. Let's read Proverbs 19, 21, and then we'll answer that other question. (laughs) Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. What prevails? The Lord's purpose and the Lord's plans. There's a song out, and I don't know who sings it. Some of you guys that are on the worship team probably know it. But he says, God has a plan, and you are made for a purpose. God has a plan. God has a plan for us. God has a plan for all of mankind, but He has a purpose for us. So we have to seek first His plan. We have to seek first His plan. Absolutely right. Once we understand His plan, and He's given us the big picture in the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, just just think for a second. I mean, dream with me for a second. If, if, if every Christian out there would follow just the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, just those two things, don't even worry about the Ten Commandments yet. <laughs> just those two things. Do you think we could have a lot less stress in our lives? Do you think we could have churches that would cooperate with one another? Do you think we would have bodies of Christ that function like bodies of Christ? I think we would. But it's a challenge, and it's going to be a challenge because everybody sets their own mindset and they have their own agenda. Churches that last are not built on programs. They're not built on personalities. They're not built on events. Churches that last are healthy and growing when they follow God's plan. And the people fulfill their purpose on earth. That's an absolute fact. I don't care how small the congregation is. I don't care how big the congregation is. In Matthew uh, 16, 18, Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The very first thing, this church is something that must be built. He says that. He says he's going to build it. Whose church is it? It's not our church. We like to say I'm going to our church or come on with me and let's go to my church. But the church is the people. And he says it will stand. Nothing will prevail against it. So what's the what? We've looked at some of the why. So what, So what is the what? Should it be the what or should it be so what? Because a lot of times we get into these situations where some of it turns out to be so what. So let's think about this. If we need a healthy church in order to grow individually and corporately as a body of Christ... And you're in an, you're, let's say you're in a plateaued church or a, or a, heaven forbid, a declining church. All right. Now, I just, I shared some stats with the, the Monday night prayer group that I read something just recently that like 27% in the last 10 years, Christianity or those that professing to be Christians has went down 27%. Those that will openly admit or confess or testify that they belong to Jesus. And they say it's going down every year. So that that let's say you're in a declining church. It means to me that we have to get aligned with God's vision. We can have our own visions, we can have our own dreams, we can have our own hopes, our own aspirations, but we have to get back in and really pay attention to God's vision and God's plan. Okay. So why do we do what we do? We do what we do so that we can reach the rest of the community. We do what we do so that we can gain a healthy balance in our life to have spiritual growth. So Wynne Arn. Wyn Arn is a survey taker, a pollster, if you would, like Barna. He asked, he's a church growth expert. He interviewed 10,000 members from 1,000 different churches. Now I want you to listen to this. He asked them just one question What is the purpose of your church? What is the purpose of your church? Now listen to this. Eighty-nine percent of the members of those polled said the purpose of the church is to take care of me, my family, and other members. Okay? What is the purpose of your church? That's the question. Eleven percent said the purpose of the church is to fulfill the Great Commission to make disciples and to win the world to Christ. Eleven percent. Keep that in your mind for just a second. Then he asked pastors of the same churches the same question. What is the purpose of your church? 90% of the pastors said the purpose of the church is to win the world to Christ and fulfill the Great Commission. 10% of the pastors said the purpose of the church was to take care of the needs of their congregants and their family members. Is there any, is there any, is there, can you see why there's a conflict? (laughs) The church doesn't under, the church as a whole doesn't understand the vision of Christ. The members don't understand the real purpose of the church. But neither do 10% of the pastors. Yeah. That's, that's a problem. Now remember, <laughs> that's, that's not good. It's no wonder there's a conflict, right? So the what? Or, or more of the how, I guess, a little bit of the how. Um, there's five things I want to leave you with tonight, and then we're going to wrap this up because we need to. <clears throat> Why we need to define and realign our vision with God's vision. It builds morale. It builds morale. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Let there be real harmony so that there won't be splits in the church. Be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Listen, God wants us united. God wants us focusing on the same plan that he has given his body from day one till now. And he wants us to fulfill our purpose in the body. You know the churches that are growing the most? Health-wise, are the ones that have high morale. And the ones that are concentrating on God's vision and staying united. Those are the ones that are growing. Listen, if we're all in one big boat, can you imagine all those guys in the boat? I know there's only 12 of them in Jesus, but (laughs) let's say we had a big boat that was about the size of, from the glass doors over to here, and we're all in it, and there's oars on each side, and this side's oars are going all which way, and this side's oars are, what are we going to do? We're not going very far, right? Or maybe, maybe somebody on this side of the boat can get everybody rowing in the same direction, and we'll be going around in circles. But if everybody rows the same direction, we're going to get to the destination a lot quicker and a lot smoother without conflict. That's what we're talking about. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I think it's imperative that we understand and follow God's vision and God's plan for, the, for his body. Listen, programs come and go, events come and go. But you know what? If we can motivate our people for the long haul, and we can get them to understand God's vision, then that's the catalyst to make everything go the same direction, okay? Number two, it also reduces frustration. If we can reclaim the vision of God for this body of believers, for us, and us fully understand why the church exists, then it's going to reduce frustration. Isaiah 26 3 says, You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm. Who keep their purpose firm. Listen, if you vacillate back and forth between what you think you're supposed to be doing and what you're not doing and what you are doing, you're not firm on anything. You remember the old analogy? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. It's the same with the body of Christ. But we have to, we have to really get that into our minds. Listen, the church doesn't have time to do everything. We've got we to get real with ourselves. This body of believers does not have time to do everything. There's a lot of great ministries out there. But you know what? If another church can fulfill that ministry and fill that void... Maybe it's not for us to do. But maybe we can fill a void that they can't. It depends on the workers. It depends on what's going on with the people. It depends on their attitudes, their actions, their mindset, how committed they are to the plan, and those profiles that you guys just did. What's your character? What's your temperament? What's your your personality like? What's your, what's your spiritual gift high points? What are the things that you really get turned up about and really get excited about to do? Those are things that will move us through that process. James 1.8 says this, a double-minded man can never keep a steady course. A double-minded man can never keep a steady course. Listen, trying to lead a church are trying to be in a church that doesn't have the vision of Christ and his plan and his purpose in mind is willy-nilly. They're not going to fulfill God's plan and purpose for that body of believers. It's imperative that we understand that. Listen, when you, when you know your purpose and your plan and God's plan for your life, decisions are a whole lot easier to make. Because it'll come out in the mindset, well, that's wrong, so I'm not doing that. Or that's right, and I know that's what God wants me to do, so I'm doing that. It makes life a whole lot easier. It may not sound like it at first, but it does. We have to define our roles as far as who we are in Christ before we can put some of those things into practice. And we're going to, all this is going to, You're going to get the bigger picture of this as we go along. Tonight's just sort of orientation time, and next week's going to be the same way. It's going to be giving you guys an overview of a lot of different stuff, okay? Without a clear direction, we could end up like Isaiah. 49.4, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. How many of you ever felt like that? You're just going around in circles. You put forth a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of time, maybe a lot of money, and you feel like it was all for naught. You have to be careful. Number three, it allows for concentration. It allows for concentration. Listen, keeping that same purpose and vision, keeping a clear vision, helps us keep our priorities straight. If we follow the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, just those two things, like I was saying earlier, it keeps us from majoring on the minors. It keeps us better focused. It helps us concentrate. You know, we can feel the warmth of the sun when we walk out in early morning daylight, right? But if you take a magnifying glass and you let that sun hit it just right, you can burn up a pile of stuff in the yard pretty quick, right? But do you realize that taking that same energy and focusing down to a pinpoint laser, and that can cut the steel? Because, why? Because it's specifically focused. That's what we need to keep in mind. If we can stay specifically focused we can, and stay united and stay moving in the right direction, the same direction, rowing the boat all in the same time, then we're gonna get to that destination. In Philippians 3.13, Paul says this, I'm bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. If that's not underlined or highlighted, underline or highlight it. This one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. What lies ahead in our life? What lies ahead in your life individually? What lies ahead in our life as the body of Christ, as this body of believers? This church body. The truth is, most churches, I think, try to do too much. I really do. Just because you're doing a lot of stuff doesn't mean you're healthy. Just because you're big doesn't mean you're healthy. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing about people and churches. You can be big and flabby. Or you can be big and healthy, or you can be small and weak, or you can be small and strong. It's the same way. And I think that's something we need to remember. We have to remember, efficiency is doing things right. Doing things right is efficiency. Lots of churches are able to do that. But effectiveness is doing the right things effectiveness is doing the right things. The church that forgets that ultimately becomes a slave to the immediate. What do I mean by that? They're running around putting out fires all the time. You ever have that happen in your life? There's weeks from time to time when I feel like I'm doing nothing except putting out fires. And I can't concentrate on what I need to concentrate on because I'm having to put out all these little forest fires over here, these brush fires. That's what I'm talking about. If we don't have effectiveness doing the right things, we can get caught up taking care of all these brush fires. Number four, it also attracts cooperation. It attracts cooperation. People want to join a church where they know where it's going. That's why I think it's important for the pastor search committee to get going and and do what they need to do, whatever it might be, and put the church on a forward front, forward moving task. It's easier to get people on board when they know the destination where we're going. All right? The people told Ezra... Tell us how to proceed in setting things straight and we will fully cooperate. Ezra 10 in the Living Bible. And Paul told the Philippians this. He says, you have helped me in the work of the gospel. You have helped me. Paul was a guy that could stand on his own. He knew what it was to be with and he knew what it was to be without. But he was thrilled to have help. Why did they help him? Because they were attracted to Paul's vision. They were attracted to what Paul was focusing on. That's why they decided to help him. Proverbs eleven twenty seven: 27. If your goals are good, you will be respected. Listen, as a church and as an individual, we need to have goals that others respect. But as a church, that's paramount. If you're out there willy-nilly as a church and you act flaky, the world's going to see you as flaky, and they're not going to be attracted to you at all. We need to tell people right up front where we're going and what's expected. That's why as we go through this, we're going to talk about church membership. We're going to talk about ministry within the church. We're going to talk about missions outside of the church. All those things are going to come up. OK? Number five and last thing. It assists in self-examination, self-examination. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Second Corinthians 13:5. Listen, God's plan and purpose in our lives has to be the standard by which we evaluate our progress. Not only as the body of Christ, but individually. Because remember, we want to stay healthy, we want to stay balanced. That's what he calls us to do. The only two questions that we should think about as we close, in church and in church health, is what business are we in? What business are we in? And how's business? Okay? What business are we in and how's business? All right. Let's take a few prayer prayer requests before we close. Anybody? Somebody? Everybody? Nobody? Very. Let me make sure he's got it on. There it is. There it is, prophecy. He just didn't have it turned on.
0: Um just a, a prayer for tomorrow cuz I get my left eye done. If it goes as easily as the right eye, it's going to be a breeze. But All right. Prayers appreciated.
1: All right. Very good. Verity's eyes, who will pray for that? Miss Debbie, thank you. Father, we just praise you and thank you that you are the great healer. And, Father, I pray that you'll be with Verity tomorrow as they work on her other eye. And, Lord, just guide the doctor's hands. May it go smoothly and may she heal quickly and see better real soon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Someone else had their hand up back there. No? I just said, Jack? Yeah, you want to go ahead and pray for them?
0: Yeah, I think we do. Father, we just know what the traffic is like out there, and we have uh, uh, these people that are traveling, Lord. They're going to, uh, a son that's Noah's moving to Tennessee, Lord, to help the family and. Uh, His mom and dad is going along with them and we just pray lord that you would just give them travel mercies And that everything would go smooth car would run good you put a hedge around their car lord So that other drivers just can't even get to them and just give them a good uh, Healthy trip and a fun trip lord so they can enjoy each other. We ask this in jesus name. Amen.
1: Amen amen, that's beth and larry and uh They're going to be traveling, so Beth's going to be gone. So bear with Jasper and I as we take care of the phones. (coughs) All right. Uh, She's still still in rehab. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else before we close? All right. All right. We have a closing song? All right. Miss Lane? Guys, thank you for coming tonight. Hopefully it was worthwhile. Like I said, next week we'll get to more of a how of this. And yeah, not that kind of how. And then we will uh, go ahead and launch out into individual segments of this. Um, There's going to be some group stuff as we move into this. And if, if that concerns you, please don't let it. Um, we're going to support one another, we're going to encourage each other, we're going to lift each other up, okay, through the whole process. Because I want to try to make Wednesday nights, at least for a while, about learning and about putting things together that will work within the body, okay? Take my life and let it be.
0: <laughs> Take my life and let it be consecrated lord to thee take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love at the impulse of thy love take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee Take my voice and let me sing Always only for my King Always only for my King Take my silver and my gold Not a mite would I withhold Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, It shall be thy royal throne. It shall be thy royal throne. Thank you very much for coming. God bless you all.